Peace be upon you. Been a while since we did a podcast, and uh, it's been about six months. So thought, hey, what the heck? It's uh, Ramadan. Might as well throw one out there, and um, uh, made sense. So let's get started. Um, I was looking at the CDC, which is the Center of Disease Control, and uh, noticed that if you look at the top ten causes of death in the United States, uh, the first one is heart disease, kills about a little over six hundred thousand. Cancer kills about a little under 600,000, and um, then number three is chronic low respiratory disease, uh, number four is accidents, unintentional injuries, then stroke, Alzheimer's, diabetes, influenza, nephritis, and uh, intentional harm, uh, aka suicide. So these are the uh, top 10 causes of death in the United States. Um, and we know that God controls life and death. In the Quran, uh, in chapter three, it talks about the uh, the people who uh, died during war, and their uh, their comrades who stayed behind said, oh, if they only stayed behind, they would have survived, and God corrects them and says, no, if they stayed behind, they would be crawling into their deathbeds, and uh, God confirms uh, a couple times that he's the one who controls life and death. Uh, he dictates when people are born and when they're taken out of this world, and that is not up to us, but God has a system, and that system revolves around uh, certain, you know, fundamentals, one being if a large object falls on our head, uh, it could kill us. And similarly, if we treat our bodies poorly, uh, that can have severe consequences. So what if I told you that there is a remedy uh, out there uh, that nine out of these 10 ailments uh, can be severely, severely reduced? Um, and uh, it doesn't cost any money. It's free. And uh, no pharmaceutical companies are going to be making any money off this. And it's accessible to every single human being on this planet. People would think I'm crazy. But this is what we're doing right now in this month. Ramadan. Fasting. So fasting is literally, there's all these new scientific studies coming out and more and more each day, uh, showing the health benefits of fasting. And literally 9 out of these 10 ailments can be severely reduced through, um, through uh, proper fasting. Uh, the only one that uh, it doesn't seem to currently uh, have a solution for is accidental injuries that cause death. So fasting is not going to help you if a rock falls on your head and kills you. But um, for everything else that's on this list, fasting can severely help reduce the, uh, the risk of dying from these ailments. So let's look at some of the studies. Um, there's numerous animal studies uh, that show that uh, it was looking at mice, they've done worms and monkeys, uh, that if they reduce the uh, calorie intake of these animals by about 30 to 40 percent, their life expectancy increases by about 30 percent. That's roughly for each percent calorie reduction um, in a, a daily feeding, um, it increases life expectancy by 1 percent. Now that's just kind of a, an estimate because 30 percent reduction in food. 30% increase in life expectancy, and it's about a one-to-one -one ratio, assuming that that extrapolates. And um, one of the, <laughs> the most awesome uh, cases to show, just, just like by reducing calories, the, uh, the health benefits, and this is a little anecdotal, but it's awesome. Um, if you go online, check out this guy. His name is Foja Singh. He is currently 105 years old. When he was in his 80s, his uh, wife passed away, and he thought he'd you know, pick up a hobby, and he got into uh, competitive running. And he is the oldest uh, marathon runner uh, that's completed the marathon in the world. And uh, at 102, he finally retired after his last marathon. He still runs for charity. 
but uh, no marathons under his belt since he was 102. But um, here's a couple quotes that he said. It says, I go to bed early taking the name of my Lord as I don't want all those negative thoughts crossing my mind. That is an awesome quote. And the other one, it says, uh, so a marathon, for those who aren't aware, is 26 miles. So he said, the first 20 miles are not difficult. As for the last six miles, I run while talking to God. And what's phenomenal about Foja is that um, his calorie intake is what's considered, like uh, in an interview, it said it's about the same portion uh, that you'd get in a child serving. And this is what he eats. And he eats really simple. He's a vegetarian. Um, and he's, uh, you know, again, it's anecdotal, but it's pretty interesting. He's never had surgery, doesn't take any medications, and uh, might just be an outlier. But then again, he might be onto something. So something that uh, else that they link to, uh, um, to aging, because currently there isn't a gene that triggers aging. It's just something that happens. It's kind of like a deterioration of the body, is um, uh, that the, uh, the DNA uh, are genes at the end of the uh, chromosomes, there's uh, something called telomeres. And if anyone's a medical professional, I uh, highly, highly apologize for my butchering of this. But uh, one of the theories is that each time the genes replicate, uh, these end bits, they constantly are getting deteriorated and we're losing information. And this is the cause of aging. And one thing that's interesting is that fasting actually allows our bodies to regenerate. And one of the things that regenerates is DNA. So it actually reduces this offset of these, uh, the deterioration of DNA and builds new DNA. So it gives us a nice, healthy uh, gene set to, to work with. But let's look at these, uh, these 9 out of the 10 causes of death in the United States and see how fasting benefits these. And uh, you're going to see some overlap. And for the most part, I try to put just one benefit of fasting for each category. But again, you're going to see some overlap. So number one. 614,000 deaths a year in the United States, heart disease. And one of the biggest culprits for heart disease is obesity. And now more and more people are finding out is that it's not just the obesity that uh, causes the heart disease, but it's all the ramifications of the obesity. And um, one thing that's interesting is there was a stat I heard the other day in, the, in an interview on the Art of Manliness podcast that 30% of marathon runners are overweight. Now, if you look at a picture of a marathon, you look around, you say, yeah, I, I can kind of see that. It's kind of weird, though. You'd think that, you know, if they're running marathons, running 26 miles, these are going to be the most fit individuals. But surprisingly, many of them are still overweight. So what's going on here? Um, if you look online, the estimated calorie burn uh, for running one mile is about 100 calories. And if you run a marathon, it's 26 miles, so it should be about 2,600 calories you burn uh, running a marathon. But most people who run a marathon aren't losing weight. They're losing water weight, but not fat. So why is that? So if you look inside uh, where our energy deposit is, predominantly we get our energy from sugar. And that comes from the liver in the form of glucose. And the liver on average can hold about 2,000 calories of uh, glucose. And 400 of those calories are reserved for the brain, uh, 200 are reserved for, you know, absolutely life and death. So, you know, the liver's trying not to give those up. And 1,200 is used for body function. So that's for breathing and your respiratory and your heart. And, um, you know, the remainder is that's kind of like where we have to go through before we'll actually start burning fat. So if you look at it, we have 1,200 calories um, in our liver that we can use for our day-to-day -day activities. 
if you're running 26 uh, miles, so you're burning 2,600 uh, uh, calories, you will have a net calorie loss of 1,300 calories. And if 3,500 calories make one pound, that is about a third of a pound that you would be losing, um, assuming you ate nothing else, you had no other sugar during the run, which is the equivalent of about the size of a banana. Now, what most people do when they run is they're gouging down, you know, Gatorade and eating kind of like sugary snacks. And, you know, all this is just kind of letting them continuously burn sugar as opposed to burning fat. So how do you burn fat? The way you burn fat is that you deplete your sugar resources. And then eventually your body says, okay, I got to start burning some fat. And when it starts burning fat, that's when you actually start losing weight. And um, it doesn't happen until your sugar deposit's gone. And there's a um, eight-hour diet which says that, look, it takes about 16 hours to burn through all that sugar and uh, start burning fat. So if you limit yourself to eating eight hours a day, you're going to get into the state known as ketosis, where you're going to be burning fat. And fat has a lot more energy than um, sugar, but it's uh, more difficult to burn. And uh, the way that it's described, if you think about it, is like sugar is like coal and fat is like clean um, solar panels, you know, clean energy. And that's what we want to burn. But our bodies, they're, they're lazy. They want to burn sugar. And uh, one of the interesting, this is more anecdotal again, is if you look in the, uh, the past, um, so human beings, we have the longest capacity to uh, run than any other mammal on this planet. And part of that is the way that we're designed and that, you know, we're not covered in hair, so we dissipate heat very easily. And uh, it's theorized that in the past, we used to like literally outrun gazelles. And when the gazelles would get tired, We'd go grab a rock and bash it on its head, and then we'd have dinner. But the idea is that, you know, when we're chasing after these animals, we're hungry. And how do we basically run so much? It's probably because we're burning fat because we have no food. So the idea is that in order to get peak efficiency, you want to learn how to burn fat. And the only way that our bodies are going to learn how to burn fat is to deplete it of sugar, which takes us to our next cause of death. Just under 600,000 people died last year of cancer, and from that... Um, one of the biggest culprits to cancer is sugar. So cancer cells, they basically love sugar. They want to grow and grow. They need energy. So they look for sugar. So when we're eating all this uh, sugary food, they're thinking, great, plenty of energy for me to grow. But what happens when you start fasting? So these cancer cells, they say, oh no, there's no sugar. And they start withering away. And in addition, one of the things that we're going to talk to next is cell repair. So respiratory disease, number three. Respiratory disease is uh, started from basically when the cells in our lungs and lymph nodes and stuff, uh, they, they, uh, they, they start deteriorating. And uh, they don't get a chance to, to rest and be rebuilt. Well, when we fast, what ends up happening is our body looks for the, uh, the, the, the cells and the proteins that are in the genes that are um, inefficient, and it decides to break those down. So it breaks down all these bad cells, these free radicals, and it takes them apart. And that includes the cancer. And once that's done and we get food back into our system, it rebuilds them back up. And uh, this process allows us to basically, and it's funny, they used to think that, you know, stem cell production reduces and they actually found that hey when we fast stem cells are built and stem cells make all our other cells they make heart cells and skin cells and lung cells and you know all these other fancy cells that we got i think we got about 200 cell types in our body
So let's keep going. Stroke. All right. So I said there's going to be some crossovers. So according to the CDC, how to reduce risk of stroke? One, keep your blood pressure in normal range. So how do you do that? Well, actually, by not being obese and losing weight, you keep your blood pressure down. Uh, if you smoke, quit. Fasting doesn't really do much there, but again, you're technically not smoking when you fast, so I guess that's good. And it says keep your blood sugar glucose in a normal range. Again, when we're not eating, we're not getting glucose, so we're going to get better sensitivity to glucose when we do eat it. It says if you have heart disease, treat it, and we just talked about that, so in regards to fasting and the benefits towards heart disease, it's great. And it says keep your cholesterol levels in normal range. Um, and uh, again, there's some debate about this, but you have LDL and HDL. Uh, they say uh, HDL is good cholesterol and LDL is bad cholesterol. But realistically, it seems like unless you're already at that state, um, it's a byproduct. It's not the LDL or the HDL that's bad. It's the, uh, the causes of obesity and inflammation that are actually the root cause. So again, you know, by fasting, we keep these in check. And it says stay active and maintain a healthy weight. Eat healthy. So again... That all has to do with fasting. If you fast, then it seems like you're going to reduce your risk of stroke. All right, Alzheimer's. They used to think that, um, the, and you'd always hear this, that, oh, you're losing brain cells, as if uh, the brain cells were fixed from when we're born, and we never really get new brain cells. So if you lose them uh, because, I don't know, you uh, held your breath until you passed out, uh, tough luck, you're never going to get those back, and you're less intelligent now. But what they found out, and still I don't think I found a solid reason to why, that when you fast, uh, again, it, it spawns the stem cells, and some of the stem cells build nerve cells and brain cells. And uh, it actually makes us more sharp, which is interesting because, uh, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so uh, there's a theory that it says, okay, in the past, you know, evolutionary, when we didn't have food, our brain had to be more sharp, more crisp, you know, better sense of smell and vision and this and that because we needed to find food, otherwise we would die. So I guess, I take that back, if you attribute uh, accidental death to basically carelessness, maybe fasting makes you a little smarter, so you would see those tragedies coming. So eh, maybe it's 10 out of 10, but that's a stretch. All right, next one, number seven. With This one's actually, uh, it seems to be moving up uh, in the ranks uh, each year, it's diabetes. So, you know, there's different forms of diabetes. I just want to focus on the one that has to do with uh, sugar and insulin, um, the one that people get typically when they're overweight. So when we're overweight, um, we're eating a lot of sugar, and sugar comes in the form of, like, obviously, like, table sugar and fruits and, uh, you know, juice, um, but also in carbohydrates. So anything that's rich in carbohydrates could actually cause us to have excess sugar. All this sugar in our blood is making our blood go crazy. And to offset that, our blood basically pumps insulin. But after continuously having sugar in the uh, bloodstream, the insulin sensitivity goes away and it loses its effect and people get diabetes. So they basically have to take insulin shots and monitor their sugar and do it artificially because their bodies are not adapt to it anymore. So if you don't have diabetes and you want to mitigate your chances of getting diabetes, fasting can help with insulin sensitivity. Uh, because you're cutting off sugar to your diet, actually all food and drink, um, then your body's able to adapt and get more sensitivity towards insulin and mitigate diabetes. So seven out of seven so far, good. All right. Uh, influenza. 
uh, I think it was in uh, what, 1910, the Spanish influenza killed 50 million people when the population was only 1 billion. So this is a big deal. And um, it's funny. So influenza has to do with immune response. And uh, it's proven that when we fast, our immune system is strengthened. Uh, has to do with cell repair. One of the things they realized was like, look, you have all these white blood cells. They're constantly fighting off viruses, but they never get a chance to rest. But when we fast, what happens is the white blood cells that are all kind of messed up from you know, battling and uh, keeping you healthy, they get broken down. And then once we eat, they get rebuilt anew. And now they're like you know, full capacity. You imagine like a video game. They have full strength. Uh, and what this does is that it strengthens our immune system. So by fasting, in the essence, we give our immune system uh, a chance to recover. And one of the aspects is our bodies take a whole lot of energy to break down food. So once that, that process is halted and our bodies get the opportunity to focus on other stuff like our immune system, then you know it gets a chance to recover. Otherwise, it's spending all its energy breaking down food. So finally, you don't have any food, and it says, great, I can get to some other stuff without having to break down all this food. Okay, uh, number nine, nephritis. I had to look what this was, and it has to do with inflammation of the kidneys. And inflammation is one of the big attributes. I'm looking at a chart right now. It says inflammation, it basically is a factor to cancer, cardiovascular disease, Alzheimer's, pulmonary disease, arthritis, autoimmune disease, neurological disease, diabetes. So, you know, a handful of the, the, the items that we already talked about are uh, aggravated with inflammation and fasting reduces inflammation. So I was listening to a talk and it said there's 55 genes that they attribute to inflammation and these are suppressed when, they're fast, when people are fasting. They don't know why, but that's just the outcome. So fasting reduces inflammation. You reduce inflammation, hopefully you reduce your chance of getting nephritis and uh, you live a healthier life. Now, inflammation... The whole purpose of this is like, you know, if anyone twisted an ankle and you see that your ankle swells, you know, that's inflammation. That's your body trying to heal itself. But when you're in constantly putting your body through damage and strain, it never gets a chance to heal itself. So when you're fasting, it finally gets your body a chance to heal itself and get back to good health. Now, this doesn't help anything in regards to people who have genetic diseases, but these are all ones that are caused by external factors for the most part. All right. So number 10, this one is my favorite, suicide. So how does fasting mitigate the risk of suicide? Seems kind of unrelated. But anyone who's participated in fasting will know that when you fast, you become so much more appreciative of food. You become so much more appreciative of water. That appreciation makes you very tough to be upset. There's two verses in the Quran. It talks about Mary. So when Mary had Jesus, she said, I wish I was dead and long forgotten, not realizing what an amazing, you know, uh, moment in history that she was the uh, the bearer of. But at that time, it probably seemed pretty miserable. And what did God do to basically leave her? She, God gave Mary uh, a tree of edible dates for her to eat. He said, shake the tree and basically get dates. So what happens? Basically, when you eat, it makes you happy. But being in this world of abundance, we sometimes forget how awesome it is to eat food, to have amazing food all around us all the time. And when we take this, this break in the sense of uh, this artificial uh, recess from eating and we tell ourselves we are not going to eat, our bodies are able to appreciate that much more when we do get to eat. We'll be like, wow, fresh water, that's amazing, I love it. 
and uh, you know I get to eat a burrito that's amazing and usually you know you get a burrito you get water you're like yeah whatever you know and you just kind of stuff your face you don't think about it but when you are uh, appreciative uh, because you didn't get to eat that burrito and you have to restrain yourself um, all of a sudden it gets that much better and it's hard to be upset when you have a delicious burrito and you're able to just like think about it and think how awesome it is to eat and uh, when you're happy right you're appreciative the likeliness that you're going to want to commit suicide uh, diminishes and it's one of these things that there's uh, you know when we're uh, back to our basic necessities uh, we become a lot more appreciative it's when we have too much and we have too too uh, let's put it this way too much free time on our hands almost that uh, depression kicks in and we get uh, apathetic and we get despondent and God says feed the despondent and the poor so who are the despondent those who are just kind of like down on life and they need some food to make them happy but in order for that to work they have to be appreciative and to get appreciative sometimes we have to self-deprive ourselves so we're gonna end there and uh, there's some awesome material God went I'll link to it uh, showing kind of like other benefits of fasting needless to say this is a very <laughs> elementary kind of like uh, synopsis but when I was coming up with this it made me that much more thrilled to uh, to start this month of Ramadan because not only do we get to uh, make our physical bodies healthy, we get to make our spiritual souls healthy, and that's the best of it all. So until next time, peace and God bless.